Come on, come on, church. Man, man, give it up for that sweet worship this morning, right? Man, it is Sunday. What does that mean, church? It is absolutely our fun day as we have an opportunity to gather together as a church, as a body, to sing praises to our awesome God, who's the only one who deserves it. And also we get to celebrate life change through His Son, Jesus Christ, right? Come on. Man, we will never get tired of celebrating lives changed by Jesus Christ in this building. Our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you are new here this morning, that is something for you to grasp and know right up front. We're all about Jesus, and we're all about people knowing and believing and surrendering their lives to Jesus. Right? That's why we exist as a church. You know, I, uh, earlier J.J. was talking about those carabiners. We had that. Yeah, woo! Come on, those carabiners. Right? We have this. Day coming up, Easter, I want to show you, I want to talk about that real quick. Uh, it's amazing time for us as a church, not only to gather and celebrate the life change of Jesus Christ, he's done in our lives that we're going to be with him forever, but it's a great day for us as a church to invite all those who are near us, around us, who don't know Jesus, because we'll be presenting the gospel that day and talking about hope through Jesus Christ alone. We have three services, one at 8, 9, 30, and 11. We got, and this is what we're doing, what we're doing. We're going to ask you to be missional about this. You know, we have, we put three services out on purpose. Last year, like, hey, we're growing. I better put three services out because we need to spread that second service out because we get so packed during that second service. Yeah, y'all came to second service again last year, and we're overflowing even more. So think missionally about this coming Easter. Maybe attend the first service if you, if you can make the 8 o'clock. Maybe attend the 11. But what, if you're bringing someone with you, come whenever they're available, all right? Don't change that because if you're bringing someone with you, you're like, hey, I'm inviting someone. They're going to be here at the 930, show up at 930. But our goal, our hope is to spread this out over three amazing services because they're going to be three amazing services because honoring Jesus, right? It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And we want you to invite all those there. So get out there, get that kiosk, grab those invite cards, snap them on your, what do you have them on this belt buckle, put them on your purse, put them in your keychain, whatever you need to do, get out there and invite because people need to hear about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, before we get into this morning conversation, I want to give us a, a sneak peek of what's coming up. Starting next Sunday, we're going to step into this new series titled Emoji. Emoji. You know, we'll be walking this scripture. We're going to be digging in and see what God has to say about those very powerful components that are built into our lives called emotions. We're very emotional creatures. God, when he created us, has given each of us the capacity to feel deeply about things in this world. But the problem is we, if, they are not left, if they are left unchecked, if they're not worked through the lens of Scripture, our emotions can become extremely dangerous in our lives and very danger, damaging to our lives. So that's where we're going to start next week. We're going to dig into this together, walk through this, so we can understand how to control our emotions so our emotions don't control us. You with me on that? Starting next week, we'll jump into that. But today, today we step into this series, and we're wrapping up the series titled Fast Forward. Fast Forward. And in this series, we've been walking through asking one simple question, what's next? What is next? Is what is next is it important for you to know and understand? Is it important for your friends and your loved ones to understand? Should we pay attention to what's coming next? This very simple question impacts all of our lives. What's next. Now, and to do that, 
we have been walking through a timeline that I've been sharing every week to walk us through where we've been and where we are and where we are going. And we started up here in the Old Testament in Israel talking about all these things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And everything was pointing that Jesus was coming. By the way, this little segment of this timeline is two-thirds of your Bible, just want to throw that out there. Two-thirds of your Bible are in this segment. So I don't want to discount this. It is very, very important. But this also leads us to where we are today. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave, right? And he went up to heaven, sat on the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit to us to reside in the hearts and the lives of the believers. And that's when the church was born. And we have been in this stage for almost 2,000 years. And we've been waiting, knowing something's coming next. And so we kicked off after that, we would talk about the rapture. The rapture is a continuation of God's grace plan. He pulls us up to be with him in the sky. He pulls us up out. Why? Because the next seven years after that, the tribulation is going to be kind of like hell on earth. It's going to be horrible. Billions will die. And he says, I don't want my church to go through that. Last week, we talked about the return of the king. Jesus comes back, and as we hit the ground, the manava is split, and he says, I am taking control, and there's this great battle taking place, and we're going to see, John revealed this to us, we're going to have the wedding supper of the land or the great supper of God, either you're a believer or you're not, and then Jesus throws down some punishment, and then he rules for a thousand years. Now, this is where we left off last week. Jesus came, threw it down, and we're with him. He won. He spoke. We're just with him. And then he brings us a thousand years of unprecedented peace that we haven't had since the beginning of all things. Friends, now we step in this morning. We talk about the last two pieces, the last two pieces, which is judgment and eternity. Judgment and eternity. And you're going to see Jesus setting the stage. What is it going to be like forever and ever? Amen. See, the truth be told, there is, there's a ton of misconceptions what, what forever and ever will be like. Most people believe that their lives are like the, the Aesop fables, the fables that we read or our parents read to us as little kids. You know what I'm talking about, those little books, and you open them up and you see this phrase right in the beginning, it says, once upon a time. Once upon a time, and, and then the sun comes up, and everything's right in the world, and you know, just like the day you were born, and everything was beautiful and great, and, and once upon a time, and everybody's happy. And then as you read through the book, the characters go through a little conflict, that basically they're living life, right? They're living life, and then they get to the end. You get to the end of the book, and you see the second phrase, and they lived happily ever after. Most people see life this way. They look at my life and say, okay, this is what it's going to be. I had a once upon a time and I'm having a happily ever after. Friends, this is not going to be true. Everybody who has ever lived will have a once upon a time. But not everyone will have a happily ever after. I say that not to be mean. I say that not to be cruel. I say that because it's a reality. And that statement should break our hearts. This is exactly why we have been walking through this series. 
Because I believe, our world believes, some major delusions, what is coming next. And when the people of this world truly understand what is coming next, there's only one true response. Because everything changes when we know how it ends. You with me? Let's get into this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, it's the last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 20, we're starting at verse 7 this morning. If you grab the Bible on the way in on the tables, you find it on page 848. I shared this last week, but the book of Revelation was written by a follower of Jesus named John. John was called up and God revealed to him all the things that were going to come. And he told him multiple times to write this down. He says, I want you to write this down so you can tell people what is to come. He was showing them. He was revealing it. And as a point back in last week, the purpose of prophecy was not to create fear, but to build faith. Faith in Jesus Christ saying, hey, I want you to know right up front what is to come so you know what you need to do to miss it. So this is where we step in, Revelation chapter 20, looking at verse 7 this morning. It says, when a thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations for the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them to battle, them for battle. In number, they will be like the sand of the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people in the city that he loves. This is Jerusalem. You wonder why all this conversation about Israel and Jerusalem and even what's going on over there right now, this is taking place in the future in Jerusalem. But the fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let's just stop right there. When we stop here for a moment, we see God setting the stage for the ever and ever amen. We see that he's passing down judgment to the father of lies, right? He, the, the lawless one, Satan himself, he released him from his thousand-year prison sentence, and so he could go out and conjure this great big army, and he comes around with this huge army, and God throws down fire from heaven and takes them all out. Then he takes Satan in all his pride, in all his arrogance, in all his deceit, and tosses him to the lake of fire for eternal damnation. And trust me, friends, he knows it's coming. Just you and I, as you and I are reading those words together, that what is to come, he understands what his fate is. And his sole purpose of existence right here, right now, is to deceive humanity and take as many with him to hell as possible. Not only does he want to mess with your life as a follower of Jesus, so your life looks nothing like it should be walking with Jesus, so it's not a testimony for those who aren't walking with Jesus, he's messing with those who aren't walking with Jesus. He says, I'm going to twist your mind, I'm going to make you think what it is, and I'm going to have you follow me, and it's all going to be over. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that he's prowling around, roaring, like a roaring lion like a wannabe God, acting like God, looking for someone to devour. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. There was no place for them. 
Then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books opened up. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done in the records in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up their dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found and written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's stop there again. If you read this verse, these verses, I've got to tell you, this scares me. When God decides he's going to open a book, the book of life, the book of eternal life, and if our names are not written in it, we will spend eternity separated from him in a place called lake of fire, hell. And notice, friends, that it says anyone. Don't miss this. Often we have this idea when it comes to hell that it's, it's reserved for the, the evilest of people. We see the dark deeds and people who are living in darkness and think, hey, that the hell is for them. But you know me. When I saw this word, anyone, I did some research. I dug in. I looked at six different translations, and it said anyone. I was like, okay, maybe all of our English translation has it wrong. So I went back to Greek and said, okay, what is he actually saying? Guess what it says? Anyone. Anyone who's ever rejected, refused, and never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ will be thrown in the lake of fire. Friends, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Hell is worth avoiding, period. Hell is worth avoiding, period. And I think it's important for us right now, in the culture that we live in, to stop and try to better understand a perspective what hell will be like. You know, the truth is, when we are done on this earth, when our heart stops beating, when our time is done, we don't just disappear and it's over. There is eternity before us all. And one of the places that people will go is to spend eternity, its name is hell. People are there right now. And that's why we talk about accepting Jesus so much. Because what's next for so many should break our hearts. And it should fuel us to tell someone about him. But our world and our society and our Western culture even of America, people think hell is a big joke. There are people who think hell that, don't exist, that doesn't exist. In fact, I know of pastors who preach that hell doesn't exist. I don't understand that, but they do. But our culture and our world has got it twisted to understand. They don't, we don't get what hell is like. In fact, let me just try something. Let me just try something. I'm going to read some lyrics 
of a song that might clarify the thought and perspective of hell in this world. What I want you to do is when you know, when you come to the point, you know what song I am singing. I'm not singing it. I'm reading lyrics. Um, raise your hand and keep them up until I'm done. All right, you with me? Let's try this out. Don't need reason. Don't need rhyme. Ain't nothing I would do, I'd rather do. Going down party time. My friends are going to be there too. I'm on a highway to hell. Hey, Satan, paid my dues, playing in a rock and roll band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. Woo, I'm on a highway to hell. ACDC, very popular song. Highway to hell. And trust me, friends, those lyrics are not in my head because I did the research. This song is in my head because I am sure that over my years of my life that I have lost hearing from cranking it up in my car and singing it at the top of my lungs all before I knew who Jesus was and how he changes everything. Satan has done a really good job telling humanity, twisting thoughts of humanity, telling them that like, Spending eternity with me in hell is going to be a party. It's going to be a great time. People are singing it. And it's so far from the truth. Hell is an eternal place of burning torment. Day and night forever and ever. It's a place of weeping, of uncontrollable crying because of where you are, you're separated from your creator and in pain with this weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's not a party. Satan's not in charge. Hell is an eternal prison for everyone who's suffering on their own. How can we be singing and praising for a place like that? It's a place of darkness in isolation. Think of the worst possible place you can have in your mind and multiply it by a trillion. It won't compare to what hell is like. It's not a place you want to be. It's not a place you want anyone you love to be. It's not a place to glorify. It's a place to avoid. I remember back when we lived in New York and Raleigh was a young boy. I don't know if I shared this before or not, but it was the middle of the week in a midweeks kids ministry and Raleigh goes into this youth group room and he looks up in this poster and he sees this very graphic Expectation of what it looks like to be and how what hell is going to look like. And he looks over to Steph and he says, Ma, what is this? And he's just kind of terrified in his face and he's looking at this poster and she explains that that's, that's hell, Raleigh. That's what they think hell's going to look like. And he looked over to his friend who was to his, to his left and he says, Listen, you better accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're going to end up there. Now, <laughs> black and white as it could be, It was the truth. Hell is a place 
worth avoiding. Period. It's not a place to glorify. It's not a place to praise. It's a place to torment. That's why point number two, heaven is worth living for now. Hell is a place to avoid, period. Heaven is worth living for now. Fast forward to Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 1. Look what it says. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven of God, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. he will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost and the spring of water of life. For those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Friends, heaven is going to be an amazing place. A place of glory. A place of splendor. A place of joy. No more pain, death, or disease. No more darkness. Only light. The true light of the Lord Jesus is all that we'll need. Everything will be set a new way it was supposed to be back in the beginning of all things. And we will dwell with God and God will dwell with us in a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be absolutely awesome. Amen? And it says those who victorious are those who believe and said yes to Jesus and have surrendered their lives to him. Those are the people that will be able to shout with very good clarity and with huge confidence as I will shout, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God through victory through Jesus Christ. But the only way be shouting victory just like that. The only way to spend eternity with him is believing who Jesus is and surrendering your life to him. Friends, we have two options in this world. Two options. Two options for eternity and one decision we make determines where we will be. And I hope as we have walked through this series that your eyes have been opened to this truth. That you realize that you have one life to live. One life to live in this world. And when it's over, 
it's too late. There are no second chances. There are no redos. In fact, I want to read something that God was pulling me to this yesterday morning as I was getting ready for today. And it's in Luke chapter 16. It won't be on the screen. But I want to read this verse of Jesus sharing this truth between a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. He says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the dip the tip of his finger in the water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. And while Lazarus was with you, he received bad things. But now he is comforted. Here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from us to there. He answered then, and I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers let them warn them so they will not come in a place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father. But if I send someone from the dead, go to them, he, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses or the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. No second chances. No do-overs. God has made it clear from the beginning of all things that he was going to send the Messiah, the one who's going to pay the price for all sin, for all mankind. Revealed through his creation, re revealed through scripture, revealed to those all around us. So what's next? For you. As you walk out those doors this morning, what's next for you? Do you know where your eternal zip code is going to be? 
one decision you can make this morning can change everything. I want to do it this, try this this morning to give an idea. I want to imagine, as you imagine with me this morning, that you are, you are giving, getting a hundred question test. A hundred question test. And for every right answer you get, you're going to get an M&M. Really not big stakes, Rich. How hard are you going to study to maybe get 20, 30 M&Ms? Not that hard. Well, let's, let's, let's up the stakes a little bit. Same 100-question test. And for every right answer, you're going to get $1,000. Depending on how hard the test is, if you put C every, all the way down, you might get 10, 15,000. I'm just throwing it out there. Because C is going to hit up every once in a while. But how hard are you going to study? Let's up it a little bit more. Let's raise the stakes. Now we're going to take a, the same 100-question test. But every time you get a right answer, you free someone from child slavery or from sex trafficking. How hard how hard are you going to study? Let's raise it even further, but every wrong answer you get, someone you know dies. Well, now how hard are you going to study? What stake is it for you? Friends, the stake for eternity is so much greater. The stake, what's at stake is souls. Our souls, your souls, the souls of our friends, the souls of our family members, the souls of our neighbors, those who we work with, those we play sports with, those of our teachers, those around us, the coworkers, those who are around us we don't talk to, those in our community, souls are at stake. where they will spend eternity. This year alone, 2024, is projected that there will be 61 million people who will die. 61 million in 2024. That is 167,000 people a day, 6,900 people in an hour. In the time that we spent together this morning, 7,000 people died. That is 1.93 people per second. Do me a favor. I'm asking everybody to close their eyes with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And as I pour this in there, I want you to listen clearly as these M&Ms hit this glass, this glass bowl. And as you hear them hit, I want you to imagine that is one more soul destined for hell because they don't have a relationship with Jesus.
Find hope in your eyes. That doesn't set the stage for reality. I don't know what will. In this bowl, as I have shared multiple times, are several of my family members. Many of my friends. I don't want that for them. In this bowl, maybe your family members, maybe people in your life, your friends. And you don't want that for them either. God has given you every opportunity. They have brought, he's brought them into your life. You're part of that family on purpose. You're part of that group at work on purpose. You're part of that group at school. You're part of that team. You're part of those people around them. God's given you those connections on purpose. What are you going to do with the truth? Share the message of hope. Let Jesus save souls and let's fill heaven together. This morning when you leave, everyone's going to be receiving this little bag of M&M's. Roughly about 12 in each bag. Don't eat them. One of those souls is yours. Do you have a right with Jesus? Yes, amen. Well, the other 11 are the people you are challenged to go reach this week. Those you're going to be praying for every single day. And maybe come back next week with a few of your M&Ms with you so they can hear about Jesus Christ. You wonder why we celebrate so much when that takes place. When people accept Jesus, because that is taken out of Satan's hand and bringing it to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, this is hard truth, but it's the truth. If we can believe in the beginning you created the heavens and the earth, that we can believe at the end you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth. If we can believe that you sent Jesus to die for our sin, then believing in him and surrender our life to him gives us eternal life, that we can believe that when you open the book of life, that our names are going to be written in it then we also can believe that those names who are not in it are going to be at a place that's absolutely horrible Father I pray as we go forth this week 
as we walk out those doors, that we'll be conscious about the M&Ms in our hands, about people around us who don't know you. Help us be bold. Help us be courageous. Help us step out of our comfort zone, knowing what's to come. If we know how it ends, everything changes. So let that change our perspective this morning. And right now, I'm going to call our prayer team to come forward. And I can't, I can't honestly believe that everybody in this room who showed up this morning has it right with Jesus. That there's someone or someone's in this room who have never surrendered a life to him. And you're hearing this this morning, either you're, you're, you're shaken, and again, it's not revealed to cause fear, but I'm revealing the scripture to you to create faith. And maybe what you need to do right now is get out of your seat where our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed, and get out of your seat and come forward and give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't be shy. Don't be, the embarrassment holds you back or fear. Right now, get out of your seat. Come up and give your life to Christ. Hell is not a place you want to be. Heaven is a place that you can rejoice in. Don't walk out those doors without making it right. God, we love you. And sometimes the truth hurts. But you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let us come to you. Praise you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray this morning. Amen. God bless, church.